0: Y'all stand with me, please. Let's turn to page 603. Page number 603. He leadeth me. We'll sing the first, the third, and the last verse as we begin our service together tonight. <clears throat> page number 603. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, Oh words with heavenly comfort brought. Whate'er I do, where I be. still God through joy
1: glad we serve a faithful God who leads us tonight, amen. Well, sure, I want to welcome you to our midweek service, the oasis in the desert, and the faithful few are here tonight, amen, uh, but sure glad for that promise where two or three are gathered together, there he is right in the midst of us, amen. We got a little more than two or three, but sure thankful that we can sure meet with our God tonight. Brother Clark, Brother Gary Clark, would you open us in a word of prayer tonight, brother? Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Uh, Just wanted to mention a few things uh, via uh, announcements. Uh, Of course, this coming Friday uh, night, uh, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, it's our uh, last round of um, uh, kickball and softball games, and that starts at 5 o'clock. Uh, Friday night, uh, not 6 or 7. I think the other games have been at 6, but it starts at 5 o'clock this coming Friday night. Of course, reason for that is because we're running out of daylight. And then, of course, uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, we are going to have an outreach, and that will be at 10.30. Uh, in the morning and just the reason for the quick turnaround and having an outreach so quick is because we're getting right into our fall revival and want to make one last uh, push to get some canvassing done and get some invitations out and things like that and then of course that brings us to this coming Sunday October the 2nd be having our fall revival uh, this year and so trust that you have been fasting and and praying and of course this week has been uh, no tv and, and entertainment and so it's been good. I was just praying a minute ago and just thanking the Lord, it's been a good, it's been a good, quiet week. And uh, just I'm telling you and I, I really I have enjoyed that and just you know spent I've been reading a good book. And, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with a book named blood and thunder. Amen. And, uh, but it's about uh, anyways, I'll tell you about it later. Uh, but anyways, it's about the old West and stuff, good stuff, but I've just enjoyed it, man. Just quiet, just having some time with the Lord. It's been a blessing. And so trust you've been doing that and looking forward to the Lord uh, speaking. And so be much in prayer for brother Ted Alexander. He's going to be our guest preacher all week and so he is going to be flying in uh, Saturday. I texted with him this morning, and i uh, been watching the hurricane uh, down there, and it went in uh, well north of them. They've been getting a few thunderstorms, and Things like that. Our missionaries uh, to Israel uh, had to come back into the States. They're down in that area as well. And so I've been saying, hey, welcome to the Hurricane Club. Amen. Uh, as a former Florida resident, you're now in. You're in an elite group. Amen. And, you uh, know, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyways, they're doing fine. Uh, Lord willing, they'll be able to get their flight. Uh, he'll be able to get his flight out uh, Saturday and be able to head this way. And so I did just want to mention some things. Of course, we'll have our men's prayer Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Our buses will be heading out uh, that morning and uh, have a lot of normal times on Sunday morning. We will have a combined Sunday school class, so all the teens and both of the adult uh, classes will meet in here with Brother Alexander. And then, a car, and then of course, our morning uh, service will be at its normal time. Sunday night, though, there'll be no uh, Bible study at 6 o'clock. It'll just be one evening service at 6.30 Uh, Sunday night and then of course Monday through Friday each night is at seven o'clock and you and I uh, also are aware we're going to be hosting the Midwest uh, Baptist preachers meeting right in the middle of that uh, that Monday night so we'll just have a lot of preachers here in our evening service Monday night brother Alexander will be preaching Uh, we are going to have a dessert fellowship following the service Monday night over in the EJ Watson uh, gymnasium there's a sign-up sheet out there uh, for that, if you plan on bringing a dessert, that way we know what all's coming or, or, you know, we know some desserts are coming and things like that and we can get those uh, set up. And then, of course, Tuesday morning is going to be the preacher's meeting and going to be uh, having three preachers uh, preach, services start. At nine o'clock in the morning, then are going to feed them lunch in the afternoon. And and there's some there's a, a flyer out there on the outer uh, foyer there if you need to know all the times and and things like that, or if you forget and stuff like that. So make sure to grab. Uh, one of those, and if you're able to be here, be here, because we want to be an encouragement and a blessing to those preachers uh, that come in, and man, we want to minister to them in music and certainly in the preaching of the Word of God and the fellowship of God's people, and so that's all going to take place Monday and Tuesday, but then Tuesday night, we'll get right back in at 7 o'clock, and it'll be all the way through the week until Friday night, and so be much in prayer, though, for Brother Ted Alexander and all those things, and sure looking forward uh, to that. I did want to mention, too, there's some, more, there's some flyers out there in the outer foyer for the revival uh, also, and so you can certainly grab uh, one of those. And then, of course, there is the uh, parking lot that we've been raising uh, money for. Don't forget about that uh, as well. All right, let's go ahead and take our prayer list tonight, and uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, with some things tonight. do have quite a few things I wanted to mention and update you on. <clears throat> uh do have some praises tonight. Uh, there's quite a few names uh, missing tonight, uh, and so I wanted to mention those. Of course, Miss Mayuko Settles and Brother Lawrence Settles uh, had their baby girl uh, this past Sunday morning at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and so sure thankful for a healthy baby girl and mom doing good and all of that. And so we were able to take Mayuko off for that, so praise the Lord for that. Also, at the um, GIBF meeting this past week, got to talk with Terry. And Mickey Randolph, Uh, Brother Terry, preached our uh, fall revival years ago, uh, several years ago, and was actually scheduled to preach our missions conference last year, and Miss Mickey Randolph got breast cancer. We were able to have a great visit with them, and Miss Mickey has no cancer, and so praise the Lord for that. And so we were able to take her off the prayer list. And then also, uh, lastly, is uh, Miss Allison Kennedy, uh, Will and Kristen's uh, daughter. Uh, She had her uh, doctor's appointment yesterday yesterday. And uh, I believe that was yesterday, wasn't it? And just had a real uh, great report uh, there on the scoliosis thing. She's done growing, and so it's not going to get any worse. And all she's got is maybe some physical therapy and stretching and things like that. And so praise the Lord for that. That was a real answer uh, to prayer there, and sure thankful uh, for that. Do have some other things tonight I wanted to mention. If you would pray for Brother Randy uh, Crawford. He's on our prayer list, of course, with MS. Uh, but as they were uh, doing some things on him, <clears throat> um, I believe it was week before last with the uh, sepsis and stuff that he had, they did find a lump on his lung. And so they're going to be doing some uh, further tests and things like that to try to figure out what that is. And then also, if you could, just make a note, he's going to be having some corrective surgery this coming Friday. Uh, and so be much in prayer for that uh, as well, uh, that this coming uh, Friday. Also, uh, continue to pray for Brother Roy McCray. He's got his cataract surgery uh, tomorrow. Been a blessing to see Brother Owen Wood coming, uh, and so continue to pray for him and many of our others. Ms. Ginger Sexton, I believe I saw her come in tonight too as well, and just a blessing uh, there. Also, a uh, little K.J. Cooper, uh, continue to pray for him. And then also wanted to ask Justin Laverne, did he get to have his transplant done? Yes. Yes. And that's his dad, right? Good. Wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's continue to pray for that young man. That's a real blessing there. And so, man, what a blessing. I remember they were supposed to have it. I think it was last month or month before when they got COVID and and all that, and so sure thankful that everything's uh, going on, going good uh, there. All right, Uh, well, I did want to add one more. If you could add Miss Sue Nugent, that's uh, Brother Bob Nugent's uh, wife, and we've been praying for Brother Bob, but Miss Sue uh, has a cyst on her hand that she's going to have removed uh, in October, October the 11th, and so if we could add her on our prayer list, uh, that'd be wonderful. Anybody have a prayer request or an update or anything tonight? Okay, Brother Steve Parker. Yes? Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. So you want to take her off? Good. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. All right. So another hand. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, so Ruby Ruby Lemon has what kind of cancer? Okay, and then Roger Williams has kidney cancer. Okay, and that's from Chanute. Okay, and then also I meant to mention this too, uh, Miss Nancy Birds that we've been praying for. She had one of her cataracts uh, done, and so in two weeks she has the other one. And then she did have some tests uh, done uh, yesterday, and so pray for the results on that as well. So, Brother Don Katanik. Okay, praise the Lord. That's a blessing. Son, I'm telling you. Anybody else want to cross any names off tonight, man? Amen. We'll just have a praise list tonight, amen, instead of a prayer list. That'll be awesome. Anybody else? Brother Matt? Okay. 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 All right. So let's continue to pray for uh, Becky. They're what? Okay. Did you ever have any to begin with? That's the that's the question for the hour now. <laughs> Mercy. I'll see you at the altar tonight, brother. So, all right. So, Brother Matt's having his wisdom teeth removed, and that's when Friday, Saturday. Man, you should be here for door knocking. Then you should be done by then. You could be here for canvassing. Amen. And if anything, be here for entertainment purposes. Right? So, amen. All right. Yes, sir, Brother Griffin. Yes. on of now and Okay. All right, so that's an urgent unspoken uh for the Griffin family, and then um also brother Don swearinger I know of brother Don swearinger and I swearingen. Swearingen? okay, well, maybe I don't know that one then all right so <laughs> but it does he does, his name does sound familiar, so it's swearingen okay and uh so we'll we'll add him on the prayer. list. said intestinal infection is that correct okay, okay all right. Yes, ma'am. Miss Angel? <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So let's pray for Miss Marie Christian. And we sure miss her in her place. And she's been really battling her eyes. And so pray for her. Absolutely. Anybody else tonight? Okay, let's go ahead and have our men come tonight. All right, Miss Melanie? Okay, so let's pray for Miss Melanie as well. So go ahead, men. Y'all come on ahead tonight. We got a lot of burdens tonight, but with a lot of praises tonight. And then uh, my heart sure thinks about the fall revival as well. And so. Uh, let's let's pray for these things uh, tonight, and, and just sure praying for the meeting. I think of the preacher's meeting right in the middle of that, and I want to be an encouragement to them, but at the same time, I, I'm praying that God will meet with us as well, amen. And so let's pray for these things uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Will Kennedy if you'd pray for us uh, tonight, Brother. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Recent prayer letter from our missionaries Mike and Sandy Todd to Argentina. He says, Spring is in the air here in Argentina, and that means allergy season as well. Things are starting to turn green all around us. <clears throat> Spring reminds us of new life and the wonder of God's creation. It's also a reminder that the holidays and camp season is just around the to- corner, so there's no time to slow down. The church is doing well, however, we have been hit hard by a strong flu virus going around. It has affected just about everyone in church, including Sandy and I. Thankfully, we have gotten past the worst of it and are on our way to recovery. We are working on starting different service-type ministries, trying to get everyone involved in some way. We're moving forward slowly but surely. We would ask that you pray for Virginia. She has been coming for about a year and is soon to become a member. She has faced several trials as of late, but the worst one was last week when her daughter tried to take her own life. She was unsuccessful, but it shook the family up. The daughter is divorced and cares for two young children. Virginia is staying with them while they try and get their life together again. We are also still praying for the salvation of Sonia and Ricardo. Our camp construction project is moving forward as well, but like most of my projects, it seems to grow bigger every day. As of right now, we have no working kitchen and no sewer system. Our first activity is a little more than two months away, so my work is cut out for me. The story is too long to tell in this letter, but the Lord has been doing what he does best and working miracles that I thought would never happen. It's amazing to see him make things come together in his time. Uh, we need certainly need more miracles, so keep praying for our youth camp ministry. Thank you for your prayers and faithfully supporting us over these years. So, Good update there. Continue to pray for them as they're recovering uh, from sickness these last uh, few days, a few weeks even, as well as... All that going around in their church. Brother Griffin, would you pray for the Todds as well as their other missionaries?
0: amen would you stand with me one last time please let's turn to page 451 page 451 trust and obey we'll sing verses 1 2 and 5 together tonight page 451 when we walk with the lord in the light of his word what a glory we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey not a shadow not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sign nor a tear can abide. trust and obey then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way what he says we will do where he sends we Amen. Would you please remain standing? Go and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight.
1: Amen. Thank you, Brother Eric. Ephesians in chapter number 4 tonight, the book of Ephesians in chapter number 4. And I guess I could have preached a revival message, but I I think a good doctrinal message will help revival. Amen. And so Ephesians in chapter number 4 tonight. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number one, and, and hopefully this will kind of, <clears throat> well, it'll, it, hopefully it'll, you know, remind you, I guess, or help you to recall as to where you and I are at in our studies on, on Wednesday night. But notice it says there in verse number one, and, and of course this is Paul writing the church at Ephesus. He's already dealt with quite a few things, and so he returns back to what I would say is the subject. Of unity here and notice in verse number one he says I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called and notice it ends with a comma so there's a thought continuing here he says with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and then there is when the sentence ends So obviously it's talking about unity here. And then look at verse number 4. It goes on to say there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and, and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And so certainly some encouraging things there. But again, it's still revolving around the subject of unity, okay? And so again, Paul's dealing with this, and this is what I would say to you: that the first three verses deal with the attitude of unity, okay? In other words, it confronts the behavioral issues that can bring disunity within a church. All right. So, in, so instead of strife and contention, there should be long suffering and forbearing one another in love. That's what he says right there, right? But beginning in verse number 4, okay, the subject is still unity, but the content changes, doesn't it? There mu- in other words, there must be something, now watch this, there must be something of substance that brings us together in unity in what we believe, right? We aren't just here to be here. This is not a social club. This is a church that belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the head. We are the body. And so therefore the Apostle Paul moves right into what I would call the articles of unity. So where you have the attitudes of unity, now you have the articles of unity. A body of doctrine that is to bring us together In Jesus Christ. And here's the point of all of this. It's not just behavioral problems that can bring disunity. It's also doctrinal problems. Heresies, as the church at Corinth was dealing with. Paul would say, there is heresies among you. And and then of course he would say, then there has to be divisions among you. Because heresy brings division." And so Paul deals with this, so therefore, not only should we be in unity in attitude towards one another, it it ought to be this, that we would be in unity in the faith. In other words, in what we believe as a body of believers in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at tonight, the articles of unity. So I have good news, there's only three verses here. But the bad news is there's seven points, right, so... That's all right, And I thought about, "Ah, we'll just cut it off like a bologna sandwich and and stop. But really the truth is, I think really there's some good stuff we could see in all of this tonight. And I realize you could preach a whole series on just these things tonight. But we're just going to kind of get a crash course on all of this tonight and see this. But let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you tonight. Thank you again for the Word of God, the Spirit of God that guides us into all truth. And just praying tonight that you would... Lead us and guide us in our study. I I pray that you'd help me tonight to certainly communicate clearly, deal with some things. And Lord God, thank you tonight. Thank you for a sweet spirit among your people and just the anxiousness to dive into your word, to study it, to know what we believe and why we believe it. And so God, would you bless the preaching tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. Well, I mentioned I'm reading a book and so here's a story from that book, all right? Uh, it is a, it has been a bless it has been a blessing to read and I love history and I love I love the old uh, west stuff and, and uh, this is actually before all of the west this is actually the the uh, from uh, d- this book talks about the uh, taking over the west and, and uh, bringing it all into the United States so it goes well before the Civil War and things like that on June thirtieth eighteen forty six Brigadier General Stephen Watts Carney known as the Father of the United States Cavalry, led approximately 2,500 men out of Fort Leavenworth. Hopefully you know where that's at. Pretty good. Got a lot of history right here. In fact, it was a ragtag group of soldiers made up of mostly of volunteers from Missouri. And this Army of the West, as it has been dubbed, headed out on the Santa Fe Trail with orders to conquer the New Mexico territory that was currently under the ju- jurisdiction of the Mexican government. In late September, the, troop finally, or the troops finally arrived. The corrupt and cowardice governor, Man, uh, uh, Manuel uh, Armijo, uh, refused to lead his troops into a fight. And so instead, he fled across the Rio Grande into the Mexican territory, never to be heard from again. What a leader. Amen. Uh, General Kearney and the Army of the West marched into Santa Fe and conquered conquered New Mexico without firing a shot. Kearney and his cavalry marched into the town plaza, planted the stars and stripes on top of the governor's palace, and then Kearney gave what has been dubbed the Kearney Code. Author W. Hampton Sides said, It echoed that of the Magna Carta, and the Bill of Rights, and is still part of the New Mexico Constitution to this day. It is a set of civil laws designed to guide both the newly empowered government and now its citizens, and it was meant, now watch this, it was meant to bring two opposing sides together, one being America and the other one being the New Mexico Territory. Now the reason that I'm giving you this tonight is to say that really that's the same intention of our text. If I could say it like this, this right here, verses 4 through 6, would be what I would call the Apostle Paul code. In other words, it is the Magna Carta, the Bill of Rights of Bible doctrine that is meant to bring together the Jews and Gentiles of the church At Ephesus, it is an article of unity, as already mentioned. In fact, most churches today, including ours, we have something very similar. It's called a statement of faith, which contains both the church's bylaws and our doctrines that we believe. Bylaws guide the church in carrying out her business and the statement of faith gives a detailed account of what we believe as a church. But the point is still the same. It is meant to bring us together. And just as this is meant to bring the church at Ephesus together, I would say to you tonight that what we're going to look at from these should bring us together as Faith Baptist Church. Though our statement of faith is in greater detail, I would say to you tonight, we still better be in agreement with this article of unity. The Bible has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Therefore, the doctrine and the principles and the precepts that were believed upon by the early churches, they still ought to be believed upon in our day and time. And certainly ought to be one that we would hold and believe today as Faith Baptist Church. Notice the constant use here, the consistent use, over and over again, of the numeral one throughout this. There is one body... One spirit, one Lord. I mean, listen, it goes on down. That's meant to bring unity. Therefore, we should be in agreement with these things as they are biblical truths grounded in Jesus Christ and His apostles and the Word of God. But also consider this. The numeral one implies this. There is no other. And I think you and I tonight we ought to step back and just mention a couple of things like this. We ought to be, a, be very uh, very careful about YouTube preachers yeah, and, and podcasts and, and radio networks and and books and so on that can lead you astray from the book. Does you might get one listen? Because all of a sudden. You get into that stuff and the next thing you know, well, there's now two or three of something when really what Paul says right here is this, there's only supposed to be one. See, right, listen, I, I'm telling you tonight and I, and I want to share this publicly and I think many of you know this already, but I'm, I'm grateful for our online ministry that we have. I am, and listen, and by the way, it is meant for those who are shut in. It is not meant for you to become a shut in. Because you're looking for something convenient. We are still called to assemble together, together in the house of God. And as long as you are able, you are responsible to do that. Somebody say amen tonight. COVID is over. If, if Joe Biden says the pandemic is over, then it's over. I'm just saying if that, anyway, don't give me, no, I'm just, I'm not even going to go there. I'll I'll give you my personal opinions later on. We're trying to be un, unified tonight, but here's the point. And I want you to catch this. See, COVID has pushed us into getting into getting that ministry going, that online ministry. But here's the thing: we're not the only ones that got pushed into it. I'm just telling you, there are a host of other churches and ministries and preachers, and now the internet is flooded with all kinds of of doctrine, some truth, and some not so true. And and what I'm saying to you is this, is that it is of no coincidence that we've witnessed a host of people, both in the pulpit and the pew, embrace some strange new doctrine in where they once believed there was one of something, now all of a sudden there is two or three. And I'm just saying to you tonight, You better be careful of that stuff. I am all for God's people putting godly music and godly preaching in their life, but you better make sure it lines up with that book. You better make sure of that stuff. In fact, I would say this, you need to be aware of the messages of the world as well. Because you understand tonight, it's not just religion that has a message, the world does as well. And just as there is a danger of letting some man or some book or some podcast supersede the Bible, there is also the danger in letting some philosophy of this world supersede it as well. I'm telling you tonight what Fox News and CNN have to say shouldn't change our worldview on what we believe about the Bible. Well, I just can't believe you talk about Fox News like that. Well, I can't believe you defend it like that. I'm just telling you the bunch of crazy nut. There's just as much crazy on that as there is anything else. It's nuts, it's all crazy. But nor should the majority or the foolishness of social media uh, change our, our biblical view. Listen, all of those things should be weighed against the Bible, not the other way around. Not the other way around. No, friend, th- this is I'm telling you tonight, listen, the Bible, especially that of the New Testament, it is our foundation for faith and practice. What we believe, how we operate as a New Testament church. And so long as we keep this the foundation, and every one of us do that, not just corporately, but individually, I'm telling you tonight, we can have unity. We can have unity. So again, though our statement of faith goes in much greater detail, and I preach through I remember when I was pastoring at Bible Baptist, I preached through our statement of faith, did a whole series on Wednesday night, and maybe after this is all said and done, we'll do the same thing. But really tonight, what Paul gives the church at Ephesus is a crash course statement of faith, and I believe this, that these art, this article of unity right here should be something that we would be in agreement with as well. So let's look at some of these things here. Look at verse number four. So he says this. He says, number one, he says, there is one body... And one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. So let's just go down through here and list all of these things. Number one tonight is this there is one body. Okay, there is one body. Uh, um, whose body? Well, I'm glad that Scripture interprets Scripture, aren't you? So if you got your book there, your Bible there in Ephesians, why don't you just flip over a couple of books to Colossians chapter one. In verse number eighteen, in fact, the second half of that verse is our theme verse for the year. But at the beginning, it tells us what a body is. It says, "And he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church." Did you catch that? He is the head of the body, comma. The church. So what does that mean? What does that comma mean right there? Well, here's what it means. It means the body is the church. So so this has a twofold. Now watch this. This has a twofold implication here, especially as to what you and I are looking at uh, in light of the church at Ephesus. But even as to where you and I are at in 2022 i would say to you certainly right off the bat the thought that came to my mind is this is that it confronts the false doctrine of catholicism that would arise some 250 years after this epistle it's amazing the infinite of the word infinite of the word of god isn't it the wisdom of it the word catholic many of you may not even know this but the word catholic means universal as in universal, invisible body or church. Did you catch that? The problem is a body of Christ within the Scriptures is not some universal, invisible body. Be a fact. Much of the pressure for unity for from the false religion crowd in this world it comes from a misunderstanding of this doctrine they will, hey you guys just need to come back to the body well here's the thing we were never in that body as Baptists we were never in that body friend we're not Protestant we, did, we never protested and came out of the Catholic Church we didn't start in the Reformation we started with Jesus Christ and then you hear then you hear some Baptists say well you know we're just all in the body well not really You're not in the body of believers that I belong to. But you understand, friend, listen, what they're trying to say is they're talking about everybody that's saved when that's not true. See, all of the saved makes up the kingdom of God. And it makes up the family of God. A body of Christ within the Word of God is one of the Lord's churches. And a church within the Scriptures is not some universal invisible body. It is not a denomination. It is not a building. It is a local visible assembly of baptized believers constituted together to carry out the Great Commission. There will be a lot of people in here that repeat that definition verbatim. It It is a local visible assembly of... Baptized believers constituted together to carry out the Great Commission. See, you're not in the body of Faith Baptist Church in Olathe unless you've been baptized and made part of this body. Amen. But what I'm saying is that's what a body is. It's a local visible assembly called a church. See? do you know this? There are 114 times where the, where the word church or churches is mentioned throughout the Scriptures. Only about 15 of those are given in an institutional or general sense, meaning this, there is no geographical location applied to that reference. But in all other instances where the word church or churches is used, it is referring to a local visible assembly of baptized believers. The church at Ephesus. It's a real city with real people in it. In a real church there. The church at Corinth. The church at Philippi. The church at Thessalonica. People are like, well, you know, I got the Bible. I don't really need church. Who do you think most of the New Testament was addressed to? Churches. You got the churches in Galatia, the churches in Macedonia. The point is that Scripture interprets Scripture. And the one body here in Ephesians chapter 4 refers to there being only one kind of church. And by the way, we're not two body Baptists. We're not. We're, there, there is not a visible one that we're baptized into by water and an invisible one that we're baptized into by the Spirit. Be a fact, there's only one baptism, and we'll get to that one here in a minute. And I don't even like the term local church. I hear, well, you know, we got this the local church. And the lo- that, well, that implies there's more than one. And I don't walk around saying hot fire or wet water. Well, why? Because all fire is hot and all water is wet and all churches are local. All right, some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate, but I'm just telling you, I don't like the term, I, it's, it, when you look, but you, I, I realize guys are trying to biblically define where they stand, but I'm just telling you that in the Scriptures, when you use the word church, it's a local visible assembly of baptized believers constituted together to carry out the Great Commission. That's what one body is. And you need to understand something. If you are a member of Faith Baptist Church, then we are a body of Christ right here in Olathe, Kansas. That's who we are. And we are commissioned to preach His gospel and carry out His commandments. Well, why? Well, because He is the head of this body. And that's what the head told us to do. Anybody getting that? So certainly I would say to you, in the, in, the, in the infinite wisdom of the Word of God, right here we're confronted with the false uh, doctrine of, of this Catholicism and this invisible uh, you know, uh, universal church. But but here's the other thing. This, this one body not only confronts that kind of false doctrine, but it also confronts false philosophy. See, see, in its context, Paul is dealing with the Jews and the Gentiles that have been saved in Ephesus, and therefore the more acute application was to say that this body or church, it was not a Gentile church, but nor was it a Jewish church. It was the Lord's church. That's what he's saying is that there is one body. In fact, you can go back to Ephesians in chapter 3, and even there he hints at where he is going in verse number 6 when he reveals the mystery that the Gentiles, in verse 6 of chapter 3, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. Talking about a local visible assembly called a church. It's, it's no different than we would say tonight, this is not a white church, and it's not a black church, and it's not a Republican church, and it's definitely not a Democrat church. And it's not just a church for those that were brought up in a Christian home. No, this is the Lord's church. And no matter your color of skin or your background or what side of the railroad tracks you were born on, if you're saved tonight and you're a member of this church, you belong to Him. We belong to Him. We are in His body and He is our head. And He is to guide us and shape us in our lives through His Word. That's what we are tonight. What a blessing that is and encouraging. So that's number one. Let's look at number two because He says there's one body, but then He goes on to say this, there is one Spirit. Now, I'm not going to make you turn there tonight for time's sake, but First John chapter 4 and verse number 1, many of you know that verse tonight, and you'll know it once I begin to say it, but here's what the Apostle John said. He said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So you remember there, John, try, John warns us to try the spirits because not every spirit is of God. But the reason that I call your attention to that verse is because that verse shows us that there are different spirits. There are seducing spirits. There are demonic spirits. However, there is only one Holy Spirit of God. All right? And we are to try them and test them. Well, how do you do that? Needs to line up with this, friend. Because here's the deal. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God is never going to go contrary to the book that He authored. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, 2 Peter 1.21. See? So, so you're still there in Ephesians. Hold your place there. And let me invite you to go to John in, in, chapter, number, John in chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter number 14. So Jesus begins to tell us some things here. And we're going to do a little Bible study here in just a second. But He begins to tell us some things here in John chapter 14 and verse number 16 and 17. He begins to reveal to the disciples the Comforter is going to come, the Spirit of God. Here's what He says about them in in verse number 16 of John 14. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you the Comforter that He may abide with you forever. So right there, He seals our salvation. He abides with us forever. Boy, aren't you glad for that? can't lose your salvation tonight. Somebody say amen. That's not, even in the, that's not even in the articles of unity, but we'll preach it anyways. It's in our articles of unity. But how, what a blessing that is. But look at verse number 17. He says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So right there, he works according to the truth, the Word of God. He indwells you. So you're indwelt with the Spirit of God? Now, now, look down at verse number 26 of the same chapter. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. So here we find out that the Word of God, the, the, the Spirit of God, rather, he illuminates the Word of God to us. He is our teacher. Be uh, in fact, in the context, he is the writer of the Word of God. But the application to us as believers in the 21st century is He brings the Scripture to our mind for personal encouragement, rebuke, even witnessing to others. Man, how many times have, have you witnessed to someone in the Spirit of God just bring, bring the Word of God right to your lips and right to your lips and right to your lips and all, all of that. I remember happen, that happening to me on several occasions. I remember my wife being with me one time and she just looked at me and said, that's got to have been the Lord because that wasn't you. She knows my memory i tell you, it ain't getting any better either. I walk out of the room now and I forgot where I was going, and I gotta walk back in the room and try to remember. And that used to work about 10 years ago, and now I just sit there for an hour trying to figure out where I am and who I am. <laughs> Look at John chapter 16. And then flip over there, because notice he gives some more things here. And I want to just stop in here and just, just a little bit and just camp out on some things. But in verse 17, or verse 7, rather, John 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the covenant will, uh, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So that's what he does. He convicts men of their sin and, and righteousness and judgment and all of those things. But then look down at verse, verse 13. He says, How be it? When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. He will show you things to come. Did you, did you see that? That means this. That means that He speaks of Jesus Christ, the, one who can, the only One who can save us. He glorifies Him, not Himself. Did you catch that? Now see, here's the thing. (laughs) There are a lot of people that start cringing when I preach against the false doctrine of tongues within the charismatic movement in our day and time. (laughs) But I'm telling you tonight, and you need to listen to this, it is not according to the Word of God, and it is not according to the Spirit of God, it is of the devil. And you can cringe and feel uncomfortable all you want, but I'm just telling you, you, you need to understand this, there is much emphasis on the Holy Spirit because, because charismatic theology is based off the false doctrine of baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you'll notice right here, number one, He doesn't want to be glorified and emphasis placed on Him. He wants emphasis placed on the Son of God. But the other thing to note is this, is that there are six passages within the Bible that refer to the Holy Spirit and baptism within the same verse. Okay? Now, since you're in John, all right, you can, you can go back to John chapter 1. I want to do a little study with you, and I want you to watch this. Okay? John chapter 1. Okay? And you can actually go back, and I don't want you to, but you can look at Matthew 3.11 later, and Mark 1.8, and Luke 3.16. They all deal with the same thing, But John one thirty three. here's what the Bible says. It says, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. The same is he, talking about Jesus, which will baptize with the Holy Ghost. Okay, now go to Acts chapter number 1. Okay, now what? Now just stay with me. Acts chapter 1, look at this real quick. Acts chapter 1, and I'm turning while, as you're turning. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 5, because this is what Jesus said, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now what, what is that talking about? What day is that talking about? It's talking about the day of Pentecost. In fact, you can go to Acts chapter 11 and verse 16, and you will see that Peter mentions that again. And the reason he mentions that again is because he is recalling what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when, when Jesus baptized or empowered His church with the Spirit of God. And now watch this. Each of these verses point to one event within Scripture the day of Pentecost when the Father sent the Comforter and powered the church. And and the thing to notice is this. Now watch this. The thing to notice is who administers the baptism of what? It's Jesus who administers the baptism of the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God that baptizes anybody into Himself. See, see, see when, when a group of people locked themselves into a room on Azusa Street, which is where the charismatic movement had its start, in the early 1900s I believe it was. And they, refused, they had locked themselves in a room on Azusa Street and they refused to come out until they get the quote baptism of the Spirit. And then some woman bursts out in some gibberish that nobody can understand and people start flopping around like a fish and rolling their eyes in the back of their heads. Listen to me. That is not of God. That is not of the Holy Spirit of God. You catch that? Holy Spirit. See, the, the main product of the Spirit of God is not some emotional ecstasy, it's holiness. That, that's another spirit. That's another spirit. That's not Bible. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this there is only one Holy Spirit, and He is holy. He is not an it. He is a he. He is the third person of the Godhead. And that does not mean He is less than God the Son and God the Father, all right? But rather, He is simply the shy part of the Godhead, but yet He possesses all the qualities and attributes of the rest of the Godhead. He indwells us. He fills us. He empowers us to do the work of the ministry. And Christianity was not missing Him until the charismatic movement came along in the early 1900s. That's baloney. That's baloney. No, I, I think tonight we'll just follow the Spirit of God and stick with the Bible. So there's, there's, one, there's one Spirit, all right, and, and there is... Uh, There is one body. But then in verse number 4, he also mentions this back in Ephesians chapter 4. There is one hope. Now I think you and I can move through this a little quickly here, right here, couldn't we? Because we know Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So the hope that we stand upon is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And let me remind you that the word hope in Scripture does not mean to wish for something. Rather, it's confidence in something. You understand, it's a promise that we know that is going to take place, friend. I'm just telling you, He is coming to get. But let's also be clear on this. He's coming in two stages. And the first one is going to be the rapture of the saints. And it's going to happen before the tribulation period takes place. Because according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, I'm not appointed unto wrath. Praise God, I'm saved. And so Jesus Christ is going to come for us. We're going to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody say amen. And we're going to go back to heaven with Him. And we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. While the earth is plummeted into the tribulation period. That's going to last seven years. And then at the end of the tribulation. Jesus Christ where He came at the beginning for His saints. Well at the end He's coming with His saints. And we'll return with Him. He's going to take care of the Antichrist and his armies. We just get to stand back and watch. And we get to rule and reign with him as he sets up his millennial reign. We are not mid-tribulationists. And we are not post-tribulations. We are pre-tribulation rapture of the saints. Okay. Look like you're in agreement with me on that one. I'm just telling you... Don't get on YouTube. There's some wackadoo people out there that don't understand that Matthew 24 has nothing to do with the rapture of the saints. It has everything to do with Jesus speaking to the Jewish people and dealing with the tribulation period and His second coming. Read Revelation chapter 3, 1, 2, and 3. And then after that, the church is gone. And it's nothing but the tribulation on earth. Well, why? Because she's already out of here. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Look at verse number 5. Of, of Boy, we're moving right along, aren't we? He says, one Lord. Oh, come on, we know who that is. That'd be Jesus Christ. I'm not going to take you to Philippians chapter 2 and read 5 through 11. You can go there. But there is only one Savior and Lord over all. There is no other. The word Lord applies, uh, uh, implies supreme and authority. God, Master of all. His name is Jesus Christ. He is eternal. I said He is eternal. He is not a created being. You understand? He left the splendors of glory. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, spotless life, died on the cross, and rose again three days later. He is deity. He is God. He is not a good man or, or, or a good teacher or one of the prophets or, well, you know, the man upstairs. No, he is God. He is Lord. He is Jehovah. And He is the only one that can save us from our sin and give us eternal life. Look at verse number 5. Also, there is one Lord, there is one faith. And go with me to, go with me to Jude chapter 1. Oh wait, there's only one chapter in Jude. Just checking, see if you're paying attention. It was in my notes, but I was just checking. Look at Jude, the book of Jude. Look at verse number 3. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the, what's that word right there? The faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And you and I understand that the subject of faith would entail a tremendous amount of things tonight. For by grace are you saved through faith. You and I know this, that as God's people, were called to just the just or to live by faith. So there's daily faith and trusting God. But there's also our source of faith. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I believe this tonight, that the word faith in Ephesians encapsulates all that we believe. Our one faith is found in the complete body of doctrine in the Word of God. I want you to listen to this tonight, and I want you to listen very carefully. We have one faith in this church. It is based upon the doctrine of, given in the authorized version of the King James Bible. And as long as I am pastor of this church, we will not have another faith. We will not preach from another faith. We will not teach in our classrooms from another faith. We will not use any other version of scriptures or another New Testament written by some yahoo named Joseph Smith who's a liar and a heretic. We're not going to do those things. Nope, there's only one faith. All right, now look at verse number 5 again. There's one baptism. See, man, I'm telling you, I told you we'd go fast. There's one baptism. Well, we know this, we cleared up Holy Spirit baptism. So we know that. And and listen, and by the way, and and I realize that there there are other times in the New Testament where the term baptism is used to describe, in fact, it's meant to describe the suffering of Christ in the Gospels. I realize, it. so don't come to me after the sermon like, Preacher, you know there's more than one baptism in the Scriptures, right? Well, yeah. I understand that it's used in other ways. But, but you understand, I also realize the context right here and that this is dealing with unity and doctrine in the New Testament church. And so this one particular baptism that Paul is dealing with is water baptism. One baptism. There is not sprinkling or pouring. There is immersion. And, and here's why. Well, because baptism means to immerse. It means to plunge or, or to dip. Here's another reason. There's no instances in the Scripture where anyone was sprinkled or poured on. They were all immersed. And here's why. Because it properly pictures the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't sprinkle a little dirt on somebody at the cemetery or pour a little dirt. Well, that'd be a weird visit to the cemetery, wouldn't it? No, you immerse them into the ground. There are also improper motives. Baptism is not a means of salvation. Nowhere in the Scripture does it teach that works saves you, including the work of baptism. I'm just telling you, baptism is only a picture or a symbol of the gospel which that candidate has received. You can't be baptized until you first get saved. And you can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you get baptized. Now, Here's the other thing. There is also improper candidates. Today's sprinkling and pouring is used because infants are baptized. But again, this is not found in scriptures. Babies cannot confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They cannot repent. They need to repent, but they can't. Some of you are looking, oh, well, that's just terrible. Well, let's wait till they wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Little wicked sinners. No, they're not safe. They can't be safe. Praise God, they're safe in the arms of God. Well, come on, I said praise God for that according to the story of David and, and Bathsheba and their Ill, illegitimate child. God took him. but we know the promise there. Praise God for that. All right, listen, but here's the thing. They need to get saved. They, and they, when they reach the age of understanding in the Scriptures, they need to be saved. But even then, baptism doesn't save them. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, there needs to be a proper authority too. And it's a New Testament Baptist church. The proper scriptural authority to administer baptism today is found in the Lord's churches. Today these churches rec- are recognized by the name Baptist because of their stand on the doctrine of baptism down through the ages. And again, we did not come out of the Catholic Church or the Reformation. We can trace our lineage back to Jesus Christ in His church. And, and you even have to be careful today be, with the name Baptist because not all Baptists are really Bible-believing Baptists. I mean I was in Missouri man for 10 years and well actually 15 years part of that training for ministry and all through Missouri you have general Baptist churches and generally they don't believe anything. I'm just telling you you got to be careful of that. Here's another great example Westboro Baptist Church that's no more a church than church's fried chicken is a church. Bunch of baloney that's wicked as the devil. We're not called to protest soldiers' funerals. We're called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bunch of nonsense. There are also maverick baptism, all types of religions and so-called churches. But this verse teaches us that there is only one baptism. It is scriptural immersion into water on a person who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and it's administered by one of the Lord's churches who are still true to the Word of God. One baptism. A person can be saved and immersed into water by, another, by other churches or people, but I'm telling you tonight, we're not going to accept their baptism, and the reason is there's only one baptism, and it must be administered by proper authority, which is one of the Lord's churches. And I've used this example oftentimes. But my kids play church in the pool and baptize one another. And though it's immersion and they're saved, we're not going to receive their baptism because it's not proper authority. And again, the reason this is so important is because it's the protective gate around our church. It keeps false doctrine out. If a person who has been saved and baptized by immersion into a charismatic church wants to join our church and we accept their baptism, they could easily be down in the junior church teaching our kids they can lose their salvation because that's what charismatics believe. And I'm not going to have that. Listen to this. If they are not willing to submit to this one baptism, then in a sense they are saying, I am not willing, I am not willing to submit myself to the headship of Jesus Christ. How about that? Whew. Point number seven. There is one God. And there is one mediator between God and that's the man Christ Jesus. There's one God and He's manifested Himself in three persons. Now I don't know, listen, He's an infinite God and we are finite people and I don't know, the only way I could explain that is this, is that I am one person but yet I'm also a father to my children, I am a son to my parents and I am a, a, spouse, a husband to my wife. I, I, have, I am one person but yet I manifest myself in three different directions and that's the same way our God is. He's one God. But at the same time, you you and I need to go a little deeper than this because of the ecumenical movement in our day that wants to try to intertwine all faiths like Christianity and Muslims and Jews and all this stuff. And I'm just telling you right now, you need to understand something. There is only one God and He is Jehovah God. He is Jehovah God. And I see all this other nonsense even in Christianity today. No, it's Jehovah God. That's who is God. Allah is not God. Allah is not the same as Jehovah. Allah is a false God. He does not exist. There is one God. Buddha is not God. It's not God. I could go down the list tonight and I could give you all this. You know this tonight. There's only one God. Elohim, Jehovah, He be God. Now what does all this have to do with us? Well, it ought to be the things that we come together in unity. And what scares me is over the years is I've heard people say this, and I'm just baring my heart tonight, but I've heard people say this. Well, you know, I don't always agree with the preacher. And I, listen, that's fine. You're you're the preacher of your own home, and you have your right to your opinions just like I do mine. And And that's okay when it comes to Coke versus Pepsi. Or, you know, what kind of color pattern we got going on with the new gutters out there on the front. But when it comes to Bible doctrine, and I'm not trying to lift myself up tonight, I'm just, I'm typically the pastor, I'm the pastor of the church, I'm the one that preaches the Bible and the doctrine and lays it out where we stand, and that's just how it falls, is that sometimes people, well, you know, I just don't always agree with the pastor. Well, in some cases, that's fine. But when it comes to Bible doctrine, so long as he's going back to that book and preaching the Bible and showing you from the scriptures why we believe what we believe, the reason for that is not so you can walk out of here disgruntled and go, "Ah, I just don't believe, and then go get on YouTube and pull something up. or No. It's so that we can learn as a church body what God requires of us. And we can come together in unity. Not just in our attitude towards one another, but even in what we believe and we can submit ourselves to the authority of the Word of God and say, this is what the Bible says. This is what I believe. And this is how I'm going to live my life. Now let me ask you something tonight. Are you in unity? Are you in unity? Because if not, you've got some things you've got to take care of tonight. And it's not between me and you, it's between you and him. Because everything that I've given you tonight is exactly what Paul gave to the church at Ephesus. And it was the Spirit of God that gave it to him. And I don't know about you, but I want to line up with that. And I would hope you would too. Let's all stand tonight.